seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride illegal trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Abaka is a Chinese Italian. Skiers and snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you get around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer. Ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today's May 2nd, 2023, and we're recording from the Tunnel Creek Cafe here in beautiful Incline Village, Nevada, along the shores of Lake Tahoe, near Ponderosa Ranch, and the old TV Western Bonanza. Here beside me is the professor of Pow, <laughs> the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency and the United Shredders of Snow, the one and only Powbot. Yeah, thanks for the killer intro, <laughs> Trail Whisperer. Yeah, it's an honor to be here at Ponderosa Ranch and sit next to the director of the Dirt Intelligence Agency. Uh, yes, the indeed. The sergeant of Sandy, the guru of gravel, <laughs> and the Freddy Falline master <laughs> i think you're the fall line master but i'll take it good to see you man you too yeah we're back and uh it snowed it's what and yeah it's we're looking i'm looking out the window right now and we've got like snow on the trees suddenly out of nowhere yesterday was 80 degrees and sunny um but anyway I, you know i think we one thing we should probably mention to our listeners before we get into this is we've had a lot of awesome feedback to date. For sure. We're into episode eight here. Oh, chill. And this is the, actually, this is the first episode that Powbot, Tom, and I have sat down just mano y mano. Just getting back from the beginning. Yeah, from the very first episode and 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 talk a little bit. Yeah, between the two of us. Um, You know, we, like I said, have been getting great feedback. If you have ideas for the show uh, or you have, guests that you think we should have on the show you can reach out to us at mind the track podcast at gmail.com you can dm us on instagram at mind the track or you can go to our website at mind the track.com and, and send us a, uh, a yep. contact um i've even know, gotten a, d- a dm to my my, my personal pal about in, insta with, oh you did yeah with the questions yeah uh Flor Florent de Chard, which is a sounds like he charges Florent de Charges, uh, reached out to me and said that he's been listening to the show and loves what we're doing, and uh, and asked me, you know, where where we've been riding and what trails are snow free, and so I gave him a little, t- you know, tidbit of, what, you know, where we've been treading and what's been good. So yeah, please please everybody reach out to us and and you know give us some feedback. Yeah, we we really and reviews reviews are huge. So if if folks are listening on Apple Podcasts or you know Spotify, if you can leave a review, that'd be a huge help because it helps us get found. Um, I've been doing a little podcast research, and it turns out that's how you know one of the ways that people find podcasts is through yeah. good positive reviews. And then another way is um, ironically not I guess maybe not that ironic, but a little bit YouTube because. You know, I was like, I don't want to be a YouTuber. I want to do a podcast, but um, been getting more and more information that actually 
people find podcasts through YouTube. So we're going to be launching a channel, uh, Mind the Track podcast, a YouTube channel. Um, Powbot's sitting on like a trove. He's like the <laughs> TGR man of POV and drone footy from a, you know someone's like little uh, little. Uh, private treasure trove of videos tom's been recording stuff for years and he's got all this rad footy so we're going to start putting our episodes up on youtube the audio and then we're going to pair it um, with this rad 360 cam that tom has always running and then um some outtakes of pov footage from yeah. tom shred in the eastern sierra and, and tahoe and, and some of bikes. our some of our guests yes and our guests yeah exactly Yep. Like we just posted that one with Amy Morrison from last week, uh, just to us like riding in Carson City, which yeah. was fun. You did know? the little local neighborhood loop with her. Yeah, I, I was basically just trying to hang on her wheel the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> keep her in. Uh, keep her. I was trying to just trying to keep her inside. <laughs> She's an absolute legend. Yeah, well, I, I I had some great feedback. Um, so last weekend I was in Quincy, California. And uh, at the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship's uh, Spring Epic, where we did some trail work on Mount Huff. And uh, uh, one of the trail crew members, Jack, he, uh, he, re- he saw me on the trail and he, he walked up and he's like, you're Kurt, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, man, I've been listening to your podcast. You guys are killing it. Keep, keep it up. And I'm like, sweet. Thanks, yeah, man. The more, it's awesome. The more we get, get of that. Yeah, you know, the more it fuels us to keep this thing going. Totally, it has been a little bit of work, and and Kurt and I are dedicated to this. But getting that feedback helps us and inspire us to to keep this going and and search out the the cool people to talk to and you know, and and keep this thing rolling. Yeah. So, so thanks everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, looking back out the window, it's still snow on the ground, snow in the trees, but hey, folks, guess what? It's springtime. And you know what springtime means? <laughs> it means s- cherry blossoms and corn skiing and short sleeves. Yeah. And the rivers are raging. I was sitting on the Truckee River the other day and just like the river level right now is super high. There's like waterfalls everywhere. And wa- waking up to five inches. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. Suddenly waking up to five inches. Right. That's springtime, too, I guess. But it's just pretty awesome how, in um, in case you're not familiar with this classical piece, this is Vivaldi. Um, (laughs) Swan John actually brought this up to my attention. I was sitting on the river the other day, and I'm, like, observing all the wildlife and how fast the snow's melting and how high the river is and, like, going, man, it's a lot different than three weeks ago. Like, we went from, like, the doldrums of winter to, like, full-on spring here within, like, a few days. And I was like, we should do a seasonal episode. Like, we celebrate each season, you know, four episodes a year and just talk about the change from winter to spring and the change from spring to summer. And I tell Swan John, and she goes, Vivaldi already did that like 300 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, right. And so this is the spring movement of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And, you know, I think it's very appropriate. Well, We'll play each season as we go through 2023 here. Um, but Powbot, what comes to mind when you think of spring? Dual sport. Dual sport. Dual sport. Yeah. Wait, like, what do I do? I, you know, I, my my first aid kit and my Camelback is confused on what pack it, go, it goes into right now. <laughs> you know, that's what spring means to me. And it's, you know, and it it was a 
pretty long session of frothing on corn for a while. What is this? Listen and to then, that. Wait, hold on. What does that? What does that remind you of? That reminds me of bugs in my face. <laughs> Springtime bugs just up in my eyes and my getting in my yeah, ears. I, I had a bug in my sunglasses the other day. Ugh, dude, I like swallowed one. They're just like flying around. Just flying around your face and you're swatting them. The mosquitoes are going to be bad this year. This, they're already out, actually. Yeah, they're already out, yeah. They're biting when we too. When we uh, stopped at Ronin Brewery, the Ronin fermentation project on the way back from Quincy the other day that yeah. right as the sun went down the, there were bugs. Oh, the skeeters. There were, they were already skeeters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to leave. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. So you were talking about corn skiing. Yeah, it's a corn skiing. Palisades Tahoe, the spring skiing cap, sort of capital of the world. <laughs> as long as you get there before 2 p.m. Yeah, as long as you get there before they close. And as long <laughs> as you go to the right resort right now, which I'm not really clear on which one's open and which one's closed, you do have to check their website daily because you know they they made t-shirts that they were the spring skiing capital but it, they, i think they're kind of failing at, <laughs> sort of fa- failing at that endeavor i'd actually I'd, I'd, I'd argue that the eastern sierras and mammoth is the spring skiing of the capital of the world right now but uh they're yeah. gonna be the summer skiing capital of yeah the they're gonna yeah <laughs> and fall but that's what spring means spring means to me it's shredding corn yeah. uh you know just low pressure days in long days too, you know, uh, I love like the late afternoon yeah. ski yeah. Or, or bike ride totally. that's starting to come into the wheelhouse and then obviously bikes, you know, and I, I finally broke, broke the saddle in here in the last couple of weeks. I got motivated to get off the hill and the, the camping in the foothills sort of camp life and foothill life has been all time. Oh, it's so good right now. The red, that red dirt, you know, in the foothills and it's just, yeah. And the green grasses and the wildflowers and yeah, it's it's going to be a heck of a nice season. I mean, even in Reno, it's it's green, super green, and we're getting rain right now and snow, so that green's going to continue. I mean, yeah. I'll I'll take a few days of rain, you know, like if we can get a nice week of sun like we had yeah. with eighty degree temps, and pepper that in with a couple days of rain, I'm good with that. I will say that spring came in a little too warm. <laughs> it came it, in it came yeah. in a little hot. It came aggressive, but you know what? I think after the winter we had, I don't think anybody's complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except um, the people in Utah. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a little warm for them, too. Yeah, yeah. I think Little Cottonwood Canyon's still shut down right now. They're just trying to <laughs> shovel a whole bunch of Abbey debris off the roads again. Yeah, well, you, uh, you and I just saw that uh, Caltrans video of Tioga Pass. Holy moly, they're trying to plow a Tioga Pass right now, and they actually have to have, like, a giant D6 dozer push snow to the snow yeah. thrower before they can even get it out of the way because it's, like, 20 feet tall. It's the double snow move. That's what a bunch of people in Tahoe were having to do the reverse of just three months ago. Right. Which was <laughs> right. move the snow. T- to move the snow, you had to move it twice. Right. And now it's reversing. That's the one thing I've been totally fascinated with on this this spring thaw has just been that the, this winter just sort of keeps throwing these wild things at us. Like Little Cottonwood Canyon's just having these huge avalanches. Yep. Canada just had a huge avalanche cycle. Uh, you know, there's this, there was a lake in the Central Valley that came back. What, what was yes, that thing called? Yes, it's called, called um, what is that called? Oh, to, shoot. To log, to Tulare. Tulare. Lake is, Tulare is alive. Tulare is alive and yeah. well. Yeah. You cannot hold back Mother Nature. No. And I, I just, I'm so always so fascinated with the weather. And then and it's just this, this winter just keeps providing these, like, just 
the coolest things. I mean, they're sometimes devastating, but if you're into it and fascinated by it, like there's just these things that keep popping up that, you know, it's just a never ending winter. Well, it's, it's all, it's always good to see when mother nature just reminds us who's boss. Yeah. You know, we yep. think we have control. We don't have any control, man. We're just, we're subject to whatever mother nature wants. To and do. we're just along for the ride. Yeah. You got to make the best of it. You know what I love about spring is, um, yeah. What do you, know, you what, what are your favorite, favorite things? I, I, you know, it, it came to mind, uh, the other day when I was sitting on the river thinking about it was like chasing snow line uphill on bikes. Like this is the season for the out and back. You yeah. don't do a yeah. loop. You don't do loops. Like for anyone out there who's thinking about doing an early season mountain bike ride in the mountains, don't do a loop because if you commit to a loop and you're not sure if the loop goes, you're going to be hiking through you're gonna miles be and miles of snow and you're going to be bumming. This time of year is the year of the out and back. You start at the bottom of the mountain and you take a trail and just ride up the trail. And then when you hit the snow, you turn around and come back down. It is, Or if you hit the snow, you go skiing. Or yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. So I was, you know, chasing snow line up on bikes and then you chase the snow line down on skis so yep. you're starting at the top of the mountain on your skis you're like how far down can i ski this thing and that's kind of what's rad about the transition from winter to spring like you mentioned earlier dual sport so you got your bike and you got your skis and then you're basically just playing in that zone between the two figuring out how high you can ride your bike to then jump on your skis and how yep. you know far down you can jump you ski before you jump back on your bike and that's what's cool about spring um you know the other you know the other way I know that it's springtime is that in the garage Swan John and I have 50 million pairs of shoes. <laughs> like there's that over you know you've got your winter boots and your winter shoes and then you've got your spring and summer oh, yeah. boots and shoes and right now they're all out because we're kind of in that transition and there's just like an explosion of yep. footwear in the garage. So like you haven't you can't reached, even moved. That, that is that's that's true because you do hit that point where you do you make the call and you're like, and you put, you pack all of your winter stuff away. Yeah, You put away your insulated waterproof, yeah. like, you know, moon boots away. Cause you don't need them this time of year. And then you pull out your summertime boots. And so, yeah, right now, like yesterday I had to just chuck a bunch of stuff up in the attic because I was <laughs> sick of tripping over crap. So that's the, yeah, that's the other way, you know, that it's springtime footwear, lots of footwear. We're, you know, we live an active lifestyle, man. Got to have like, I think about it like I always feel like I have too much of stuff. Like I just got too much crap. And then when I actually sort through it, I'm like, well, I mean, yes and no. Like, like we're so active. We're doing so much different stuff that I, I have a reason for having as many pairs of shoes as I have because I actually do use them. Yeah. You know, they're just it's like a tool in the toolbox. You know, like it's good to have tools. It's good to have ski boots and flip flops in the spring. Oh yeah, that's that's how the other way you know it's springtime, right? Ski boots and flip flops. You know that you know it's spring when the flip flops are in the bag. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love I love the flip flops, man. Like my feet are so beat up from this winter. Like my my little toe and then my second to little toe, they've just been mashed next to each other for months, and they're just like screaming for mercy. So like, I've been trying to you know I've been wearing you know when you wear flip flops in like questionable situations, like when you're at like a dance party or you know you're at a Home Depot, Inter traveling internationally, or traveling internationally where you know you, your feet could get run over by a shopping cart or someone could you know, drunk person could step on your feet or whatever, but you're just like I'm gonna let it roll, dude, because my feet just need to air the hell out after five. Months months of being stuffed in a ski boot. 
Um, you know, the other thing that uh, a friend of mine told me about, uh, which I thought was super interesting, going back to the Tioga thing. So um, uh, Henry O'Donnell, who's the trail crew boss for the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship, his brother is a big hydropower guy. He runs hydropower plants in the Sierra Nevada. And they have these snow uh, gauging stations across the Sierra Nevada to kind of like, you know, forecast like how much um, electricity they're going to be able to produce from the melt-off. And their snow gauging stations are showing as much as two feet of ice at the bottom of the snowpack right now. So that's, and they, they said that's pretty unprecedented for like the years that they've been, you know, keeping data on snowpack yeah. that we're st- it's a reglaciation it's, it's, of the Sierra. It's glaciating, man. It's yeah, it's wild, yeah. dude. Two feet. There'll be opportunities ice. for summer boarding and skiing. Oh God, yeah. No, we're not like we've never seen. Yeah, there's going to be year-round snow sports this summer and into the fall and into the next winter for certain. I've never been one of those people who's been motivated to try to ski every month of the year or something. The summertime, some for me, summertime's been for summertime activities, but this year I think my the winter activities will creep a little bit in the summer well do you know you know the fish family right in south lake ben amy and max fish you haven't met them yet okay you're gonna need to meet them so ben and amy ran the tahoe area mountain bike association for years tamba and um their son max who's now 14 i think um like killer skier man just like you know raced ski racer you know just hucking you know it heavenly born into it when he was eight years old I did the gun barrel 25. If you're familiar with the gun barrel, it's 25 laps on gun barrel in the most effed up moguls of all time <laughs> in like variable conditions, either ice or slush or like exposed irrigation pipes and rocks and grass and all that other junk. Eight year old Max, you know, six laps into a 25 lap event, eight year old Max lapped us <laughs> by lap six. And so, anyway, the fish family, they're diehard. And they have skied, well, Ben and Amy board, but Max skis. They have been on snow, I want to say 78 months in a row. Whoa. They have gone out one day. A month. A month yeah. for 78 yeah. months consecutively through the drought. Because the last few years, man, they, they were not, there were a few years there that were very dry. But they just, they hunt for, even if it's a patch of snow 100 yards long, it, it counts. And they have skied. That's impressive. Eight months in a row, yeah, pretty. And they're gonna, dude, they're gonna hit a hundred given what yeah. we just went through. Yeah, pretty cool. That's cool. Um, the other thing that you just mentioned to me, let's talk about this for a second. Uh, your your car is oh, gonna get totaled. Gosh, man, like you know that there has been some casualties to this winter for people in Tahoe. I, my house escaped you know we stayed up on top of it at the house and things were good there but i, I did get rear-ended <laughs> going to work on a on a questionable day of being open you know was making the push to get to work and i got rear-ended and it the damage hasn't it wasn't all that bad the car's still more or less fine just bumper and the rear lift gate but i finally got it into an appraiser and then finally got it in to get fixed and had the had the memo that they were going to fix it. And then all of a sudden I got a call from the insurance company that they were not fixing it. And my car is now totaled. So this winter took a car from me. That, uh, so, you know, it, <laughs> it, what blows my mind is the threshold for totaling a vehicle has seemingly become so much lower. That, like, that, that's why I was surprised about it. Yeah. And what's crazy too, is that 
I have a lot of friends who have had cars like totaled over the last couple of years and the payouts they're getting are huge. Like the amount of money. Tell, like, tell me more. <laughs> so a buddy of mine, he, he has a, a Sprinter van with 400,000 miles on it. And he was driving, he was actually driving to the Lost and Found Gravel Grinder event last spring in, in Portola, California. And he hit a deer and sma- completely smashed the whole front end of this thing. The motor, like the whole Better. front clip was like the motor was exposed. It, it blew the motor, actually. It was like it put a hole in the oil pan and he didn't realize it and kept driving it and ran it dry and blew the motor. They gave him like, Twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars for a four hundred thousand mile Sprinter van with a blown motor. I well, yeah, it's because it. to replace it is next to impossible, and that's that's you know I'm afraid about jumping back into buying a used car right now. But whatever. Oh, it's well, a good time to buy yeah. a used car. The is prices, it? yeah, have they, prices have come way down. They've come way. I mean, they're still high, but they're way lower than they were. And inventory's better than it was. So your friend with the Sprinter van, did he? He needed some of those little whistle things. Did you ever have those growing oh, up? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You like, put them on your hood. You, you, yeah, put them on. Did your they hood actually or, work though, or was that just a bunch of snake? There were oil? people in northern Michigan that swore by them. So, really? Yeah, <laughs> I remember those things. <laughs> you know what my you know what my buddy used to do to avoid hitting deer? He said that if you're if you're driving and all of a sudden a deer jumps out in front of you, you turn your lights off because the deer, the reason why deers, they're right, attracted a deer to the headlights, right? Like they see the headlights and they freeze. So he would seriously be doing, you know, 65 miles an hour. A deer wouldn't run out in front of him and he'd turn his lights off and then honk the horn or something or just turn no, the lights off. I just turn the lights off and then the deer would just sense the car was coming and run. What freezes the deer in front of you is the lights which I thought was interesting, but you can't stop the kamikaze deer, which is the yeah, deer that doesn't hit the front of your car. It runs already, into the side of your car. <laughs> I've had one of those. <laughs> like it hits you sideways yep. because it just is so dumb that it's like, I'm just going to run straight into this thing. I got rattled once. I was driving with a buddy in Zion National Park going to ride Gooseberry, and that exact thing happened. I was sleeping in the passenger side, and a deer hit that side of the car and I was sleeping and woke up and my buddy's like losing control of the car. <laughs> just like, what just happened? <laughs> and it was a deer. Oh, it, this, so I think the most notorious stretch of road that I know of, um, in the, in the Northern Sierra for hitting deer is highway 70 between gray Eagle and, Port, yeah, and bad. Quincy. Quincy's bad. Oh my God. I, everybody I know who's lived or visits that area has hit or totaled a car on Highway 70 between Gregel and Quincy by a deer. There's just, and you're, oh, I always see dead deer on the side of the road along that stretch of road. So heads up to anyone listening, if you're driving Highway 70, just slow down. Yeah. And turn your lights off if you see a deer. <laughs> and then if the CHP pulls you over, tell them you blame me. I'll say, hey, I don't know. I gave bad advice, I guess. <laughs> Uh, don't take advice from Paul Bowden Trail Whisperer, but may, maybe you should. Well, so are you going to buy your car back? I don't know. I think so. I think I'm going to try to get it back for, you know. Your car's get, in great shape. I know, it's, it's just that stupid shape. tailgate. I, I know. I think the reason why that thing they're totaling is because that tailgate is like an integrated, like all the, like the tail yeah. lights and everything. And, and I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to throw a bunch of stickers on the dented Dude, spots. Dude, it, it didn't even look bad when I, I know, saw it. You I should, know. You should buy that thing back and just drive it into the ground. Nah, thanks. I yeah. think that's that's the plan take so the far. Insurance money. 
get, get a new bike. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you're so you're giving me solid advice. Like it seems like you have good advice to give. Do do did you write something about something similar like that about giving good advice to people? Uh, I have. Yeah. 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 I have in the past. Should we bring this up? Yeah, let's bring it up because I, okay. I, I, I deferred it to the show because I was like, I want to talk about this because this is legendary. Kind All right. Of. Like I, I'm going to hand is... you the book right now. So in a previous life, this has nothing to do <laughs> this is awesome. with mind the track or riding bikes or skiing or anything. Well, you are a writer. It, it, it has to do with writing and it has to do with storytelling. <clears throat> so there is a relationship there. But this in a previous life... Uh, in the early 2000s, I worked for a startup company in the Silicon Valley that got acquired by Microsoft, and I was doing software sales for them, and I ended up writing a book, and a book, the book is called The Five Habits of Highly Successful Slackers, <laughs> because seven is too many, <laughs> and if you're familiar with Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, yep. you know, a a brain numbing corporate type of book. This is a kind of a spoof on that. And it's basically just like five slacking habits that I perfected while working for the man that allowed me to get more vacation, more time on the bike, let more time on the bike, less it. work, less responsibility while still getting pay raises, promotions, uh, you know, employee of the month club, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, this is awesome. the crux was, you know, while I was supposed to be getting paid to be a software per, salesperson, I, I wrote the book. And is, <laughs> is, is KP Springfield your, your pen name for KP this? KP Springfield is my pseudonym for this. Yes. KP are my first two initials, Kurt Phillip. And then Springfield was the street that I grew up on. Some people say that's what your porn name is. But I'm yeah. going to start calling you Springfield. <laughs> Cindy Springfield. <laughs> This is awesome. Yeah. So, and you know, the book, so the hardest, the, the realization, you know, you, you have Timothy Ferris, you know, the four hour work week or whatever it's yeah. called, you know, like, yeah. so I, I wrote this before Timothy Ferris was a thing. This was in 2004 or five. And when Timothy Ferris came out with his stuff, I was like, oh man, are you serious? This guy's killing it. Like I should have, I should have. You should have went on tour and promoted I it. I should have worked a little harder at promoting my thing. Like I wrote the book and I, I published it. And then I started to market it and I realized, wait, the hardest part of this is actually not writing the book. It's the marketing of the book after you're done writing it. And uh, I just, and I realized, oh, I'm going to have to be in a hotel and an airport yeah. and cat cabs and like traveling and book signings. And oh, I don't want to do any of that crap. So I basically, my, I'm my own worst enemy because my successful slacker book, you know, when I went to promote it, I slacked on promoting it because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do <laughs> you know, like I'd rather ride my bike, man. So I didn't really do much with marketing it, but um, I did get it published. And is is www.slackism.com still alive? No, slackism.com is not there anymore, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I did have a professor at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, actually call me and said, I found your book on Amazon and I read it and I think it's amazing. And I was wondering if you do public speaking. <laughs> yes. And I was like, who is this? I thought it was like a prank call, you know? <laughs> I was like one of my friends. And uh, so anyway, I, yeah, he flew me out there and 
And, so you uh, did it. You did do I it. Did, yeah. Oh, he's like, let awesome. me know what your honorarium is. And we'll, and I, I was like on, I was like on my computer and I like typed in like, what is an honorarium on in Google? I had no idea what the hell an honorarium was. So it's pay for, you know, public speaking or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, he f- they flew me out there and, and he was like, we, we need to kind of position this thing. Did you quote um, him 420 bucks? No, I just, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I was double. It was like eight, eight, eighty. <laughs> I was like 420 times two. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, uh, he was like, no, we're gonna have to be careful because we have to position this. Cause you know, this is kind of a controversial topic. You're talking about yeah. basically like you telling know, kids to drop out of college. bilking the man, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, okay. I, I know how we can position this. I was like, you, um, so in the book, you know, my man, some of my managers were just like these uninspired, like really just like, <laughs> this guy that one of the characters names is Lester worth and I would call him worth less, you know, and like, <clears throat> like worth dot less at whatever.com was his like email address, you know? And it's just, these people were kind of worthless and they weren't uninspiring in it. Yep. And me as an employee, like I respect my superiors if there's a reason to respect them, but if they're just like, you know, uninspired or micromanagers or dumb or uneducated or inexperienced, I have a hard time. I would have a really hard time in the military Hmm. because I, you know, I have a hard time respecting authority that isn't worth respecting. And so I told this professor, like, I got it. Like, we'll talk about following your passions in life and doing what you love to do because you'll always be inspiring to someone. Like if you're stoked about what you do, like what we're doing here, we're stoked about what we're doing here. We love doing this, yep. being outside, telling stories that inspires people. But when you're a, a paper and pencil pushing micromanager who has no life, you're not inspiring. And then people aren't going to be inspired to support you and work with you and work for you. So the yep. objective is get these kids stoked, tell the story, do something passionate that you love. And you'll never be one of these managers that I write about in my book. And so that's how we positioned it, and it worked out great. So yeah, it was cool. I got to say that the cover photo looks like the guy from Office Space. Well, it was totally, yeah. So it was totally uh, inspired by Office Space. Was it? Yeah, was it Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like it, it was, up on that right And away. it was right when I wrote this book, right when the, movie, when the show The Office came out, you know? Okay. And so and at, when the first season of The Office came out, again, I was like, man, this isn't really like true to office life. But it is really funny. And then it just kept getting funnier and funnier. And that's one of the favorite, my favorite shows of all time is The Office, right? But it was right around 2004, 2005 when I wrote this book. And then, um, yeah, the crux was at the end when I was done. So in The Office, I was working and I would observe all these things going on. And I would just like, oh, that's a good story. And then I would just write about it at my desk. And then, um, you know, and I made up all the, I made up all the character names, right? And then uh, when I was done with the book, <clears throat> I quit. I just like tendered my resignation. I'm like, I'm done here. There's no, there's no more content left. Springfield checking Books, out. Springfield's going solo. And that launched my freelance writing career, which oh, I've awesome. done to, to this date. So my last nine to five day job in an office was in 2005. And ever since, man, I've just been a, a solo artist, so to speak, you know, freelance writer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, a good ride. I, I can't imagine going back to a nine to five, man. I, in an office, like it's just not. It's I've, been I've never done. Years. I've never done it. I've been working extremely hard for the last twenty years, but it, it hasn't been from nine to five. It's been from, you know, three to eleven. 
Yeah, uh, as which is still a, a restaurant, which right? is a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've been in the restaurant business now for a long time, but I I, I have a foot out the door almost. So uh, I look forward to reading this book well, and so, giving me some inspiration to to join to join the Springfield band. I, I can don't maybe, tell the new owners. I could I could maybe play the, I could maybe play the tambourine in the in in, in the Springfield in the Springfield band. I like it. I'm gonna look forward to reading this book. Yeah, I hope you draw some inspiration from it. I've had some friends um, read the book and, and contact me after and go, dude, I'm in like the worst job ever. And I've been struggling with to, with how to manage through this. And mm-hmm. I read your book and it's just totally changed my perspective on how to, you know, approach the situation. So cool. it's helped people. And, that, and and hey, that's that's all I really care about. You know, like, I don't know, maybe one day it'll have a it'll have a second wind. You know, I do talk about, it's funny, it was in the day, like, before, like, iPhones, when people still used, like, Blackberries. Yeah. So, I talk about Blackberries, like, don't, you know, take a Blackberry with you when you're going skiing. That way, it seems like you're on top of your game when you're just, like, you know, someone sends you an email and you can just whip out your phone real quick and be like, yeah, I'm on that, no problem, I got it. And then you're actually not doing anything, you're actually, like, out riding your bike. 20 years ago, that was, like... That's what everybody's doing Ahead of the now. curve, you know? Yeah, everybody's doing that now, but 20 years ago, that was kind of ahead of the curve a little. That's kind of what every millennial is trying to pull off right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The other the other great one, my buddy uh, Rob told me after he read my book, he's like, dude, you forgot to mention the... Uh, so I mentioned, like, when you leave for the day, don't take all your crap with you. Leave a jacket on your chair, on your, you know, so it looks like there's a jacket and leave your computer. Don't ever take your computer home with you. It looks if you like have you're to take your back. computer home with you to do work, you're doing it wrong. You should never have to take your computer home with you. So you leave your computer there, you leave it open, you leave your jacket on your chair, and it looks like you just went up to go to the bathroom. But when in reality, you're at home. So people like walk by your office or your cubicle and they're like, oh, he must be out like, you know, at lunch or the bathroom or like, no, I'm at home. Or no, I'm not riding my bike. More good wisdom. Oh, there's lots of tidbits <laughs> good, in there, yeah. More good good wisdom. Turn your lights off for deer and and, <laughs> and office etiquette. I love yeah. it. I, how do you think I, I got so much time riding my bike over the years? It was from, you know, figuring out ways to not work so that uh-huh. I could ride more. <laughs> It all ties together, right? It does, it I does. mean, this book is related to what we're talking about because, yeah. like, you know, it enabled me to be outside more and play more. Like, and I, give you all the experience that you have under your belt now. Totally. Yeah. So, speaking of riding, yeah, let's go there. Let's talk about some what, riding. What's happening? What's happening? What's been What's been happening, and what's gonna be? Well, happening? the riding's been dino mine. <laughs> it has been pretty. <laughs> JJ, good. yeah, it's been it's been pretty dynamite, um, especially down lower. Um, the past few weeks, I've been getting some big rides in, man. It feels good to be riding the bike. I don't know what that is. What was that? That's you riding your bike. Turn it on. Is that your free hub? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've been doing. So uh, where, where have you been riding? Um, well, okay. So a couple of weeks ago, I went down to Sea Otter. Sea Otter okay. Classic. I hadn't been there in about six, seven years. It looks like you did one good ride down there where you guys went from the from the fairgrounds over towards yeah so i only did one real ride while i was there i got there on like thursday and left sunday and only rode once and just hung out the rest of the time just catching up with friends which was ultra cool but the one day i did ride i rode with my buddy ken hannah and um we left we left from laguna seca the venue and we rode all out to uh toro park which is like i don't know about 
eight or nine miles to the what would that east of of uh, of Laguna the fair Seca. of where the racetrack is of Laguna Seca, yeah. Uh. And Toro, Toro is like uh, it's got some pretty good trail, man. It's like kind of spicy. I heard it's chunky. I've it's, never in it's there. It's not super chunky as much as as it, as it is really narrow and like really um, big big big. Uh, it, exposure in a sense that there's like falls like you don't want to fall off the track because mm. you'll roll it's steep right so it's side cut it's you gotta like mind the track side hill gouging and you gotta mind the tr- you gotta definitely mind the track and um this one trail called pipeline it's like it's wild dude it's like a surprise around every corner if you know that trail you can haul the mail down it but if you don't know that trail and you try to haul the mail you're down it, you're going to come around a corner and get clotheslined by a low-hanging tree because you didn't know like you literally can't see it until you come around a corner and it's staring you in the face and you're doing 25 miles an hour on like an 18 inch wide little track with a 10 foot fall down to a creek like you get knocked the f out it's it's interesting it's fun but you got to be really on your game. And then it's early season, so there's a lot of ruts, like rain ruts from the winter. So it wants to catch your front wheel as you're, like, rallying around the corner. So it was it was a lot of fun riding Toro. We did cool. a couple other laps, like, uh, I don't know if I can talk about it, but there's, like, a couple, like, off-the-map trails there, too, that are pretty fun um, that I got some beta on. So that was pretty cool. Um, that was, like, a 25-mile, like, 5,000-foot day. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good, pretty good early season send. Um, and then on the way home from Sea Otter, you and I linked up yep. and we rode some really fun stuff in the Pollock Pines area. I'm not going to say specifically where because I don't know if we're supposed to. General vicinity. General vicinity around Highway 50 there near Pollock Pines. It's kind of the, 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 the rad zone for all the South Lake people to get down the hill. Yeah. And, and the, I think, you know, there's some. Local trail builders there have been getting kind of doing some good stuff. And if I lived in South Lake, I'd be riding there quite. Yeah, a bit. it was fun, yeah. and it's in a good zone. Like it's, uh, it's at the right elevation. It, you know, it's like in that thirty-five to forty-five, four thousand, three to four thousand feet, maybe a little bit higher. But there's yep. no no poison oak. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No poison oak. No ticks. No ticks. And uh, yeah, it was just like really Gr- good red, like red dirt, like the good loamy red soil. You know. Yeah. And just super fun. That like, was a fun day. Yeah. That was my first day. Well, it was my second day on the bike. I had I had done a, I had chased a day down in Nevada City and back in February when there was a, it was a little bit of a break in the cycle and yep. I wanted to go from brown pow to white pow in 24 hours, which I I did accomplish there. <laughs> and I I did one short ride in Nevada City, but that 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 day in Pollock Pines was my first legit day on the bike. And shoot, we I I I ditched out on the last little bit of extra credit but still for me that was pushing almost six grand and i and i brought i broke in my saddle <laughs> I'll say oh that. yeah i think all of us it, it was, was like, funny all all the i think there were seven of us and we were all complaining that our asses hurt by the end of that <laughs> early season just soreness you know i was sore but that was a shreddy day then and where else have, and then from there you've been you've kind of been all over the place you've been yeah well, digging the, in verdi a little bit too verdi's been riding great been yeah. digging in the backyard and like and spring clean up on the trails because just needs you know a raking like getting the rocks off and cutting off the brush and filling in rut holes what drainage ruts and stuff like that but yeah it's been it's been great dog creek uh has been raging it's like because it drains all of like dog dog valley and, yeah. the, and the babbitt peak range there the bald mountain range so there's so much snow up there and it's all just just pumping down this little creek 
that drains into the Truckee River right in Verdi. So it's been fun being been back there. Have you been up Peavine at all? I haven't. I haven't um, been there yet. I rode yet. Peavine actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, man, Keystone Canyon is blown out, blown out from 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 the winter. From the winter, totally blown out. So badly. someone someone told me last weekend that there's a website called www. Is peavinedry.com. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's genius. Yeah, this guy Patrick started that. That's killer. It's because like genius. it's that place where you ride there once and you get the peanut butter experience and you're and you never want to do that again. Oh no. Yeah. It's and it's, it's terrible. And, and it's terrible for the trails too. So it's a pretty cool thing that he does that and tells people it's a it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. <laughs> no, and it's like the most common question in Reno. Is, is Peavine Dry? Is it still is it still up and active? Is oh Pe- yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's no, awesome. And it's updated regularly. I'm sure. Yeah. No, and it's like the most useful website because seriously, you you go to Peavine one time when you're not supposed to, and you'll never do it again. Yeah, it's yeah. the most. It's like, um, you know, we talk about earlier. We were talking about don't do loops in the early season. You know, yeah, don't don't it's ride Peavine when it's only, muddy. You'll make that mistake. I say you only make that mistake once a season because you yeah. forget, and then the next season you're like, we're gonna ride this loop, and then you're like, why are we doing this? I know, I know, we're not supposed to be doing this. It's like Peavine. You don't ride it before it's ready or you will regret it. You'll spend two hours. You spend 30 seconds in that mud and you will spend the next two hours taking the mud off your bike with like a spackle putty knife, you know, because it's so bad. Yeah. So then after uh, we were in Pollock Pines, we actually went up to Quincy. That's right. So Quincy, California um, is about an hour and a half north and west of Reno and there's a ton of good trail up there. If, if you guys have never been up there, like the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship is doing work. That's kind of their headquarters now. It is know? now their headquarters. And, yeah, they have been working on Mount Huff since 2008. Um, they have now uh, more than 50 miles of single track on that mountain. Um, they're going to have more than 100 when they're done. Um, That's and impressive. And that's all south facing, so it melts out pretty fast in the spring. And then they just got approval, um, or they're in planning on 35 miles of new trail on the other side of the valley, American Valley, where Quincy is on Claremont Peak. And Claremont is all north facing, so it's like loam town, loam Loam zone, must shred loam. And so that's going to be really awesome because in the summertime, Huff gets pretty hot and it gets pretty dry and pretty dusty. But Claremont is going to be where it's at in the summer. So I was impressed coming up there or going up there last um, over my weekend and riding with you and how well the new trail was riding. We yep. rode two, two, two new trails, yep. Taylor and, and, Tol- Chan- and Chandler. It's Chandler, new two. Yep. It, that sort of seemed like it was an older dirt bike trail. but No, it was... So sections of it, it's been built in different sections. So like okay. Chandler originally was constructed the first part of it like five years, six years ago. But like they finished the loop. It's like a giant question mark, basically. Got it. Um, they finished that last summer, basically. It rode so good. And yeah. then Tollgate, too, was ripping Lower good. Lower Tollgate's new. Lower yep. Tollgate was super fun. It's ripping. Yeah, Taylor. It, it's, and it's a year old. It's like a fine wine that somehow yep. aged in, in a year. It's, it was a good winter, right? There was a fair bit of snow up there that, cause I rode Tollgate, um, in September and it was a, just like a powder keg, man. Wow. It was like well, was dust, not, not our dusty, experience. super dusty, like three inches of, you know, dust on top of 
So it had great yeah. flow to it too. Who, yeah. What's who, and who's the the trail builder that, so that Hen- worked on all that? Henry O'Donnell um, is the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardships trail boss. He's head of all trail ops for the stewardship. Okay. Kid is a, I say kid because I knew him when he was a kid. The man is a legend. Um, he won the Downeyville Classic Pro category when he was 15 years old, born and wow. raised in Downeyville. Um, I've heard I've heard of this guy. I've never met kid. him. Legend, dude. He's like the Paul Bunyan of the Sierra Nevada, you know, in modern day. Like his hands are massive. He's he's just like an animal on, on everything he does. Cutting trees. He was a logger when he was a teenager. You know, his dad was a, a miner. Um, the family owned the Kate Hardy mine up mm-hmm. near Forest City above Downeyville. His grandparent, his grandfather was a logger. So they go way back. It's pretty cool. The lineage of the O'Donnells. It's like grandfather was a logger. Dad was a miner. He's a trail builder. It's the it's the exact lineage that we're seeing in public lands yeah, right that's now. That's interesting. Right? So Henry and he just shreds on a bike and a moto. He's just he was born doing it. He's done it all his life, and he knows how to build good trail. He, he does. We talked about it on our day up there, and, and you know that he builds really good flowy trail. And that some of the things that that resonated with me when we talked about it was that the line of sight is really good mm-hmm. up there. You know, and it, it helps that some of that trail has recently burned. But even if it hasn't burned. The line of sight is really well, be, is really good because it's, it, it seems that almost all of that trail is, is multi-use, which was cool. We, we actually had a great bump. You know, we ran into some dirt bikers and we all high-fived and we're having a good time sharing the trails together, which is great. Uh, but because it's multi-use, you have to be able to go up or, to, you know, you got to be able to see each other. And then the, the one thing that resonated with me, <laughs> because I, I hate, I hate's a strong word, but I dislike trail that you had mentioned that if you're eating your own dust on a switchback, the trail builder hasn't done a good job on Correct. it. Correct. And I, to, I, that totally resonated with me. That makes yep. so much sense. Like with those trails that just go back and forth on themselves and then you're eating your dust or your partner's dust and yep. it just keeps, it just keeps compounding. Those trails don't have good flow and it's, and that's such a true statement. Yeah. No, I, 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 nothing annoys me more than when I'm choking on my own dust because there's 50 million switchbacks that don't need to be there like contour the terrain and that, I think that you know that's the way I love to build trail and that's the way Henry loves to build trail yeah, he loves to contour the terrain minimize the number of switchbacks maximize the flow maximize the sight line and Mount Huff people who've ridden Mount Huff they know it's a trail that caters to all users like you could be a moto rider and have a good time on it. You could be a beginner mountain biker and have a good time on it. You could be a super advanced expert mountain biker and have a yep. good time on it because it's the speed factor. Like you can scare the heck out of yourself coming down Huff. You can go 40 miles an hour down that single yeah, track. You can no you break that to. thing. Yeah. And, and, and you can also ride it as a complete beginner or you could ride it as a moto rider. And you know, the whole ethos of the Sierra Buttes trail stewardship is like trail for everybody. And being able to share, you know, we don't try and ostracize user groups. Like we want to figure out a way that everyone can enjoy the trails and share the trails and um, welcome all user groups. Um, And they've done a a great job job of it up there in particular. Yeah, I think they're kind of the model for that. Um, And the Forest Service and federal officials have taken notice. There was actually a leadership conference up there recently, last week, right before we were there all the big wigs in the forest service and state government talking about like the future mm-hmm. and this connected communities legacy project that the stewardship is working on a 600 mile multi multi-use trail network to connect 14 communities across or 15 community 
15 communities across four counties in Northern California. That's a big into project. Reno. It's a huge project. And uh, Quincy's kind of the, a big, a huge part of it. Um, so yeah, and the, the other thing that was crazy was the water flow, like toll yeah, gate. So the Dixie fire burned through there, right? So part of Mount Huff is completely denuded of forest right now. And we talked about this briefly with Amy last week, talking about the Caldor fire and, you know, burning the lower part of toads. I feel like, man, post-fire trails ride better because you can see just, you can see more. You can yeah. see the forest. You can see terrain that you previously couldn't see. And when we went over to that Tollgate Trail. You could see the river, like, for a mile. You could see that thing cranking, dude. It was, like, in full-on deluge mode. Yeah. And you could see it. Before, you couldn't see that, you know? And so that was pretty cool to be able to see how Tollgate. And that's the crossing. So at the bottom of Mount Huff, when you get, before you get to the train tracks, you got to cross that yep. little creek. Yeah. They had to cancel the shuttles last weekend because that thing was raging so much that they were afraid people were going to get swept up and taken down into sense. Chico. You know? I think they're going to bring bring shuttles back as soon as that come that water level comes down a little bit. But yeah, Uba Expeditions you know, is going to run shuttles if they can. But you can also just you know thing. head in if you guys want to if listeners want to go and ride that zone right now, which I, I think it's almost the best riding that's available right now in, the, in this part of the Sierra. Uh, for for mountain biking right now, but you know go up and see Yuba, go up and see the boys at Yuba. And, yeah. and get some trail beta and, you know, take a shuttle from them if, if they're offering it. And if not, you can completely just park at the bottom of that road and do what we did, which was climb the road and then do basically ride all the lower trails. Yeah, we, we climbed from the bottom up the Mount Huff Road and then we rode Chandler Trail, which at four, it's called Four Corners, about two and a half miles up the mountain. You um, just pass the intersection, you make right on Chandler and you take that trail for about a half well, for, mile. We actually did an outback. Yeah, we out it, back because it's, it's outback season. Yeah, we out and back Taylor. Taylor Creek is a new trail they That's just finished ripping, last summer. Ripping, rips. ripping good. And then you take that up to Snow Line, which is about five thousand feet right now. And then you turn around, and then you come back down Taylor, and then you finish the. It's like I call it a question mark. It's a big question mark looking loop that brings you back on to Chandler. the Huff Road on Chandler. And then we went up the road again. And then you went up the road just on, back to Four Corners, and then this time you hook a left. And you take Berry Creek Trail. Yeah, that was fun. And that's a ripping trail. And that takes you down to the bottom. And then before you get to the creek crossing, there's a new trail called Huffleberry. <laughs> Huffleberry <laughs> Crunch. Great, great freaking. Yeah, that was my favorite great trail name. name of the week. And then you make a left on Huffleberry. And that it's a short downhill. And then it climbs you back over to the Huff Road back to where you parked. And that was a, a great loop. You know, and then if you want more, you can climb again and do do something else. You can do you can climb more and go up and do Tollgate or do the lower section of Huff again. Yep. So that's, there's a lot of riding options there right now. Yeah. Uh, well, enough of that. Uh, yeah, enough of riding. So skiing. How about yeah? Let's you, talk about a little skiing. Skiing and boarding. Have you have you been boarding or skiing at all? Or uh, you've you've kind of been just on the bike, so huh? Much. All right. No, but we definitely need to talk about your first descent. <laughs> <laughs> Bobot had a first descent. Yeah, which, this was a funny one. So let's hear about this one. You know, I've had some great days skiing corn at, at Palisades at the spring skiing sort of capital of the world. Uh, sort of and, and then and then I was also <laughs> having a ton of fun down there on the West Shore. It's I think it's springtime now, so we can talk about it. I, I try not to talk about where I ski <laughs> ski in the midst of my powder powder hoarding. But uh, uh, you know, there was there was some it was pretty funny. There were some days down there on the West shore, you know, there was probably 20 or 25 people on the skin line. It was a, it was a, it was like a corn parade 
but you know, I just got caught up in it, and I went out one day with Matt Chapel from you know from Olab, who we recorded with a while back. Yep. And uh, his friend Eric Wallace from Patagonia, and he was in visiting from town. He runs the mountain bike, uh, you know, I think ski and mountain bike apparel for Patagonia. Yep. So I was all like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta have my a game on for this guy and so we showed up down at you know the bottom of south south jakes and you know walked ourselves up to to uh to, to the emerald shoots at a pretty pretty good pace i, I ended up chasing down jason dobbs who we want to have on the show who runs the uh the the, the free ride uh the free ride nonprofit here for all the kids in tahoe but i had a nice chat with job with, with jason dobbs and got up to the top and then uh uh, Matt and Eric caught up to me and I, I go to, you know, pull my coffee thermos out and have some coffee and sit there and take in the view. And I realized that I did not have my, my split board bindings with me. Oh my <laughs> because, God. You know, because, you know, I left my, yeah, it's just, <laughs> Has that ever happened before? so it's, it happened to me twice this year since oh, I turned into being a hard booter and it's a real thing. So <sighs> I, it was like for the whole season, it happened to me once and I'm like, that's never going to happen again. And I made the habit of putting my phantom bindings on the outside of my backpack so that I would always have them. And then I went on my hut trip and just kind of got lazy about it because I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't worried about work and all this other stuff that's in my brain. Yeah. And then that my laziness, uh, you know, just sort of carried over to, to skiing corn. <laughs> and I walked up to the top of, of Jake's uh, and with, got standing on top of Emerald Shoots without my bindings and kind of looked at everybody and was like, hey, you want to see something funny? And just <laughs> and drop dropped in on split skis, free heel split skis. Yeah, free heel split skis, and and had, yeah, that was my only option. It was that or walk down. How's your telly technique? So it was pretty darn good. Uh, you know, I I oh I, God, I didn't. Dude. I'll say I didn't ski pretty off the top, but I yeah. didn't fall. I just did some big zigzags. Uh, you know, and got down a ways to where the slope graded a little. You know, and went down a little bit, but the, it was actually really good corn. So I was able to find some really good panels. And I got to say, skiing's fun. You know, yeah, it had yeah, been it, a, it actually it had is. been a long time since I'd two linked. sticks are better than one, bro. <laughs> it'd been a long time since I'd linked that many turns together <laughs> on skis. And I got back to my car and I was like, hmm, that, actually, that was really fun and challenging. It was like it was what was unique to me it was like one of the most challenging things I've had to do in a while because I'm just so complacent sometimes on yeah. snow because it's, yeah. it's it's easy for me now. So being faced with that challenge was really cool and it was really, re really rewarding. And it, I'm pretty sure it was a first descent. Like, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, because you wouldn't forget your bindings if you had soft boots, you, right? No, you don't. Because yeah. you can't actually... And that was the problem. Like, I've been yeah. splitboarding now for 25 years, I think. And 24 of those years was on, you know, different variations of, of Burton bindings. And then yeah. eventually, uh, you know, I used the bent metal bindings back in the day that turned into sparks. But yeah, I mean, I was 15 years on sparks. And so I'm just... I'm just not used to always having to remember to bring did the you, bindings. Did you but GoPro that? I did not. I did not. I, I should oh, have. I, I can't. I would. I, well, it, you know, and the reason was is I was just so focused at the top to not like just absolutely ragdoll down the thing. Right. And then and then once That's I got why into I asked it, if you GoPro because I wanted no, to see you ragdoll. No, I. But I will say that there was a group of three that were that were up on the top of this up mm -hmm. on the top that we you know shared the summit with and and they you know weren't the best skiers. Uh, and I did beat them down. So oh. I was doing... I, were I, they kind of traverse Tony in yeah, it? Yeah, they were traverse Tony in it. But I, I did beat them back to the car. And and, and, uh, and from that point, Matt, it did, Matt, from that point, Matt and I went back over to the Palisades and I spent the afternoon shredding corn with them. And so I had a little bit of a redemption shred. But yeah, that was, would, that was would, a good... That was a first descent. Would it, be, would it be really sketchy in traditional snowboard boots to try and do what you did? I think it'd be harder. 
yeah, 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 you know, on soft boots and, and sparks, it would have been harder for sure. Yeah. You know, those, those, the phantom boot does a pretty good job, uh, ski touring, yeah. you know, and I, and when in, in the back of my mind, when that happened, you know, was, was, you know, my recent trip to Canada and, and other trips up there. And that's actually a part of the, you know, I think the, the Canadian guides that now splitboard guide and they get their certification. That's a big part of their exam. They actually are required to be able to ski anything that they guide snowboarding yeah and when they're doing their exam like the examiner can just be like all right bud like here's this pitch you're skiing and just throw them a curveball yeah so you know in knowing that you know it is a pretty important skill to be able to have as as a splitboarder it makes you a more efficient partner in the backcountry right if you're that splitboarder that can be proficient on on short skis or not not always having to be that slow splitboarder and being able to split ski things it it, it helps yeah so uh i was i kind of embraced the challenge and was like i'm shredding this thing (laughs) that's so good dude (laughs) oops uh hey man it's all about the first ascent yeah I, i i yeah I felt I was like I felt like a kook, but we're you know that's the thing is we're we're all kooks at times, and that's the best thing about the whole I think the whole idea of being a kook, you know that's you have to embrace it is like we're everyone's a kook at some the best point. part of learning a new sport and being able to laugh at yourself yeah I mean like being humbled is good for the psyche man like, yep. to start from zero like with snow snowmobiling and dirt bikes I've gotten into both those things in the last five years and. Starting from zero, you know, going from the person leading the ride to the person who's the weakest link on the ride is a good character building experience. Yep. And I highly recommend it to people. Try something new. Try something different. Get out of your comfort zone a little. And, uh, yeah, it'll make you a better person. <laughs> maybe maybe if, you'll if get you a first descent. <laughs> you might get a first descent. Yeah. So what's going to be happening? We talked about what's happening. Yeah. What's going to be, what's going to be happening? Well, we just got, a little, about that we a got a little refresh, which I'm pretty excited about. I wasn't able to get out and greet it today. I had a work day today and, uh, I think I'll get out and, ha- you know, check out some skiing tomorrow. There's you think it's going to be good. Maybe. I don't know. It looks pretty wet here. We got like three, maybe two, three inches of wet heavy in here in incline. I think altogether here though, in town, there was four or five, six inches. I don't uh-huh. know. I'll, I'll get some reports. I had some 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 people out and about today. They're going to give me a report later, but I'm, I'm motivated to get out. And if not, Powbot get- has like field reporters, dude. <laughs> he has field power reporters. It's all about the beta. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if if anything, this is going to grant us a nice reset on surface, which I'm a fan. You know, I like it when we can get these late storms and get a little refreshing to the surface. It'll take a while for the corn cycle to come back to us, but when it yeah. does, it's it's going to be re- refreshed. And I think that's, you know, that's great because I've got some time off coming. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's talk about your time off coming. Oh, I'm so so ex- Tom's I'm shutting down I'm, his restaurant so, so that he can go shred for like a week or two, right? <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, we, we take a closure every year. It's the only way that sometimes businesses in Tahoe can, can get a break now yeah. is that you have to do a forced closure. You know, back in the day, you know, people used to be able to cover for other people and you'd maybe close a few days and clean the carpets and do some, ma- you know, general maintenance, which is what the new owners of my restaurant are going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, but back then you could, you know, everyone could cover each other and they, w- they wouldn't feel overworked. And, you know, nowadays, like, you know, if we were to do it that way, I'd have staff or myself even that, you know, would experience what we just experienced last weekend, which was, you know, we've actually been busier since this winter ended almost we've had bigger days uh since the winter ended Hmm. than than we 
than we did during the during the whole cycle. Interesting. People can get around, and they right. you know they can get yeah, out here. Sense. They can you know it, it isn't it isn't such a struggle anymore. So we've had you know some really busy weekends. It's a little it's been a little hot cold. You know we'll have a slow day and then a busy really busy day where we need full staff and everything. But anyway, if if we didn't close, like we'd have staff that would just burn out. Yeah. They'd come up they'd come up from covering for someone else, and then all of a sudden it was Memorial Day and then Fourth of July, and they wouldn't feel like they never got a break. Right. So about six years ago, we started sort of taking forced closures and making everybody, you know, take a vacation, even though we have some staff that don't want it, but there's other staff that do embrace it and they need it because we've all been working hard. But yeah, it just so happens my, the break is coming up. It's, uh, it's going to be over my 50th birthday too. So that was kind of serendipitous that I could schedule it over my 50th and I'm just going to go 50 years young. I'm going to go, go and go send a bunch of go send a bunch of backcountry skiing and maybe ride the bike a little bit. But I I think that I'm going to try to ski a bunch and, see if we can get on some big stuff and maybe ski a couple of volcanoes if you know it's, oh, it's yeah. creeping up on shasta season yeah. you know it, it 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 i think that it sort of happened in the last at the end of the warm stretch there there could have been some good days i saw mm-hmm. but i think that you know towards the end of our closure i'm hoping to get up shasta and or maybe even go up into the cascades a little bit we'll see well a friend of a friend reached out to me uh earlier this week and asking about or last week asking about uh, Whitney, they mm-hmm. wanted to ski Whitney, and yeah. I remember I reached out to Powbot because I'm like I don't know, but Powbot knows. I was like Powbot, what do you think? Is Whitney a go? And you were like, yeah, it's prime time. And so I got a message back from this guy. They went and bagged it, and they said it was awesome. Yep. So yeah. So I, I had some other friends, Hazen Hazen Wilson, that films a lot with Dayak. He and mm-hmm. a few other pros. They did a big. They rode. They went from the lowest point to the highest point. On Mount Whitney. On Whitney, yeah, right. I think it could have wow. been could have been up there the same time your friends were, but probably it, la- well, it was last last week. It yeah. was last week, mm-hmm. and I, I heard, unfortunately one of them broke a binding uh, at the top, so I think they had a similar experience to me. To me. <laughs> First descent, <laughs> yeah, coming down the Mountaineers route with broken ski gear, but uh, yeah. at least they they had forgot they had remembered their bindings, but they broke. But yeah, no, it's 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 you know, go time down there. And I'm, I'm excited to jump in the game. I haven't been able to get down to the East side for a couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So you're going to go East side first and then North. That's the plan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's um, the plan. And you're going to, you have any info on like, how is it looking up North? Uh, been, in, in terms of, uh, it's well, access. I've been looking at the, the Shasta access, you know, the, this couple of the organizations, uh, I think Shasta avalanche has some good information on, on, mm-hmm. on, on access. You know, I know bunny flats is good to go. I guess parking is a little limited at bunny flats. Uh, but you know, there's good access there. And I think that some of the other roads are actually creeping up a little bit. I did read something about the North side just the other day, but there's, there's, there's good info out there from, uh, Either either Shasta Avalanche or uh, I know that there's a client. Uh, I think it's Shasta Guides mm-hmm. as well. It puts out some really good beta as well. And then I did go down the rabbit hole of looking at Lassen too. Yeah, and uh, Lassen's looking good. Like, and I don't know if I want to divulge this information, but you know, it, it's gonna. <laughs> It's going to be. Uh, there may be some opportunity to access there, easily. Yeah, uh, if you maybe? have an if you have an e bike, oh. or you're willing to pedal a bike, it looks like that the devastated road is open to the devastated side to the bathrooms, but the uh, the bathrooms are still buried, uh-huh. and the memo on the national park the national park website for Lassen was that they will open the devastated road when the bathrooms thaw. <laughs> <laughs> so when the, sh- the when the shitter's not buried anymore, it could be a few weeks. It folks. could be a few weeks, but that means though that you can that means though that you can e bike in. 
yeah. I think. So I, I don't know this for sure, but I did look at it today. Because you got to get your e-bike. Have you gotten I, your e-bike I know, yet? but I, I, I pick that thing up. I know. I, I sent. Jeez. So check this one out. I sent an, uh, an email today again to Matt from Mike's Bikes because they, they generously donated that bike to the NorCal Bike League. And I, I did give him some like beta about like this project. And uh-huh. I was like, so like I kind of need my e-bike for... <laughs> This new dual media, sport season. yeah, dual sports season, and this you know new media project that I'm working with, and mentioned you, and 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 sent them a link to a couple of the. And then episodes. they were like, they meant you mentioned me, and they were like, definitely not. Yeah, I can't get you your bike. Well, Sorry. I, I if did you're working with him. You're, we're out. I did. I I did. You know, then give a plug and say, hey, like since I am getting this bike from you guys, maybe you might want to sponsor the show. We'll see. Because I'm going to be talking about that bike a bunch, and yeah. if I'm going to talk about my e-bike, I could always talk about where I got it from. Exactly. But no, I need to go pick it up. I, I'm hoping to go pick it up either Saturday or or over the over my weekend because cool. I, I need it. I need it for my east, eastern adventure, east side adventures. Because I think there could be some e-bike access. We'll see. Awesome. I just don't know. I, I'm a little worried. My partner that I'm going to be doing a bunch of adventuring with doesn't have one. So maybe you need to step in for an e-bike adventure. I, dude, I'm there. As long as it doesn't involve ropes and pickaxe, I mean, I'm not a rope yeah. and pickaxe and boot crampon. Maybe I don't have any, but like maybe I can ski lo- crampons, sure. I can loan you some. But if I need to get into ropes and pick I mean, axe, ice axes, I'm out, dude. I'm not doing that shit. Sorry. No, but the, you know the the, the weather's <laughs> looking. My bike. <laughs> we'll we'll get you up something good. Yeah. The the weather's looking good for it though. I'm I'm hoping to get cool. a, a really good corn cycle. Nice. Do do some camping. Yeah. Maybe do a couple nights out here and there, do do some bigger tours, yeah. and uh, embrace some time. Uh, uh, you know, some good quality time in the Alpine. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Good man. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the what do we think send of the week. Yeah, Sendy, so did, the Sendy segment. So Sendy is our charter partner here on Mind the Track. It's a peer to peer online app, obviously that uh, you can buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. So everything from fishing equipment to, you know, your mountain bike, skis, split boards, climbing gear, you know, they're even selling snow. I'm seeing snowmobiles and dirt bikes. I mean, they're like going It's high-end stuff. It's high-end stuff. Making it's it, quality. They're, yeah, they're making it for quality stuff. It's, yeah. it's for good athletes selling good gear. Yeah, so you're not getting scammed on like Pink Bike or Craigslist or, you know, all these other kind of shady places where you don't know who you're buying from. Yep. So anyway, they've been an awesome partner. Um, they've been super supportive. And they're growing quick. And so, you know, considering, and they also are a supporter of the that Natural Selection Tour. Cam Zink and Travis Rice are two of the backers of this thing, co-founders. And so it's uh, a pretty useful tool. And anyway, it's free to download. You can put it on your phone and uh, start selling your used junk that collects dust in your garage and uh, give it a second life. They simplify the process. They way, way simplify the process. And so anyway... Their name is pretty apt, apropos. So we have, we have the send of the week that we like to talk about. And uh, I think since it's dual sports season, we should have like a snow send of the week and like a bike send of the week this week. All right. You yeah, know? since it's spring. Yeah. It's not winter. It's spring. It's, yeah. It's center. It's center. Ooh, I like that. I like my brake pads. Centered. So what, what do you have for us on the, on the snow side? On the snow side, well... I got to give a, a a plug then for Jim Morrison and the North Face Expedition that's that's been trying to ski basically a mountaineering route. Oh wow! At Trango Tower or something in Pakistan. It's somewhere far, far, far away, deep. And wow! It's, it's it's been hard, 
and they have not given up. They've had three or four summit attempts at this point, and it's been super cool, you know, to, to follow along on that. Uh, you know, that's a world of, of stuff that I've never got. I've never done an, an expedition on that level, but I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. And uh, I have the utmost respect for people that, that, you know, go that deep and go that hard on, on an objective. Totally. And, uh, you know, those guys are sending an extremely hard ski right now. What's and, the elevation uh, for that? I think it's 20, 22, 20. It's, it's, it's a lot. Wow. It's a, you know, multiple camps. They've got a high camp that, you know, you know, possibly require, it looks like they haven't been using ox oxygen, but they probably should be. But since they're such badass, it's badass athletes, they don't need it or haven't been using oxygen, but yeah, it's a, it's a legit ski and, uh, they have put their head down and, and not given up. And I think they're on their fourth or fifth summit attempt to, to ski this line. That is a mountaineering route. I think that is now going to be a ski route. How many weeks have they been out there or how long is this trip? I think it's been at least now three weeks, maybe a month. How can people, how can people find like look it up or I've just been following, you know, with the way Instagram is and everything lives on Instagram now. So I've just been following along. I, I follow Jim and then, uh, Jim Morrison, uh, Jim Morrison and then Nick McNutt and, and Christina, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but it's a, a L U S T I. She's the, she's the female professional ski athlete. She's a, she's a ski guide. That's, mm -hmm. that's on the North face trip. And I'm, I'm sure that North face is posting stuff as well. I don't follow North North face on Insta, but I'm, I've been getting updates through, through them. Gotcha. And, uh, it's been cool to follow along and, and be inspired by them. They're, they, they are sending. And then what about on the bike? I, I Amy Morrison all over again. I'm going to have to agree with you on like, that one. I, this man. is the first double nomination, but you know what I, that clip I saw of her at TDS Enduro on that step down into the corner of death with the poison oak looming. <laughs> Like, holy cow. She must have been going 40 miles. She went like, it seemed like 40 miles an hour. And, and she said it was 47 foot send. So it's just, just call it 50. Let's call it 50. I mean, it was, she was mocking, dude, going so fast. It, and I, the best part of that clip, though, is the reaction of the crowd. Oh, yeah. They were just like, she went just bigger than most in of the guys. Awe. Just, yeah. oh. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No. And I asked, I asked her, I was like, because, you know, she talked about jet ski or uh, water ski racing, and she used to jump, like yeah, ski jumping. Yep. And I was like, did you just jump further on your bike than you did on water skis? Because uh, she might have. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to have to go look at my record books and see how far I used to jump because I don't even remember. But, yeah, good on you, Amy. Yeah, she took the win, and she took the longest send on that step down for the women. By a long shot, by like I, almost ten feet, I think. Like really representing what that event is all about. You know that that event is is a little loose, and it's and wild it, west. It's wild, and it's that wild. and yeah. that clip was wild. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and she's sending. Yeah, good job, Amy. Another killer performance, man. Keep it up. You got you you got anybody that. No, Anything I was gonna. Seen? I was gonna nominate Amy on the on the on the snow side. I was gonna. You sent me a, a clip <laughs> yeah. this morning. Was it, it? I think it was Sendy something or send something. I don't know. Was it one of the one of the random send? It was a send. Send it, dude. What, it's one of the random. I gotta look that up real Instagram. quick because it's this these like four people in a toboggan. Was it a toboggan? I don't know. To me, it looked like it looked like Ernest Shackleton with his boat that he hauled over the mountain in Antarctica to save the crew's <laughs> life. <laughs> that's what it really, that's what it reminded me of. It, it, what was this thing that you sent me? Because not only did I get it from you, 
I got it from two people. Oh, really? I, yeah. <laughs> like, you sent it to me, and then, like, um, 30 minutes later, somebody else sent it to me. Here. Oh. Oh, you know who's... Uh, hold on here. Shoot. I can't find it now. Anyway, it was this four people in a toboggan going 50 miles an hour, and they hit this lip, and they were just airborne for, I don't know, three or four seconds. It was get, it's on get.sendy. Get.sendy on Instagram. It's mental. It's so funny. I thought for sure they were going to wad up. <laughs> they Hash, just Hashtag boat butter. <laughs> boat butter? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, that's my snow send of the week. That was pretty awesome. That's a good one. And I, I will say, too, I'm, a, I'm along for the ride, too. I just saw that Nick Russell, who we had the pleasure of skiing with a couple of days up at the, the Frog Lake Hut this winter. Yeah. He just uh, left. finally left the Eastern Sierras. Uh, and he's on, he's out skiing in, uh, I think Antarctica with a, a famous pro- professional skier who's been pretty dedicated to, to skiing the Arctic and, uh, he's down there right now. So I'm, I'm stoked to follow along on that adventure and see what he gets into. I think he just got down there and just started, just started messing around in those mountains, but I, I'm sure he's going to come up with something good. Nice. I'll look forward to seeing that soon. Yeah. Um, well, did you have any weather things you wanted to talk about? Because I would like to bring our uh, our host in for yeah. a couple minutes before yeah, we show that we're already. I, I don't think so. 10. I think I think we got kind of got the weather out of the way. Other than that, you know, okay. it's, it's going to continue to snow. Yeah, you know, on and off, higher snow levels. Yeah, mammoth could be really good. Yeah, it's not winter ain't over yet. There, my old buddy in Downeyville always said, um, "It ain't spring until there's snow on the cherry blossoms." <laughs> Like you think it's, you know, you're like, we're done with winter. And then boom, you get hit with a snowstorm in May. So May pow, still around. Center. Center. Yeah. So um, we're going to. Yeah, let's get Evan on. We're going to, we're going to get Evan on. So Evan is the, uh, the new, new owner. New owner. Co-owner of the Tunnel Creek Cafe here in Incline Village. Evan Roa and then his partners, Chad Burns. And uh, I got to know Chad over the last couple of years from my local local watering hole, Inclined Spirits. And uh, he's a pretty talented chef. And Evan's a really talented chef. Evan was uh, the head head chef at uh, Big Water Grill here in Incline. And then he also worked over in Martis cool. uh, for some years. And I had there's been you know sort of some crossover with with some of my staff that have gone and worked with him and worked alongside him. Extremely talented chef. But those guys got into this space now. Uh, just April of last year, I think it was yep. April, mid-April, end of April last year. They took over the cafe here at Tunnel Creek from Max and his wife. Mm-hmm. And Max Jones is the owner of Flume Trail Bikes, and yep. we're hoping to have him on the show and we're definitely and, have and him talk about the legacy, legacy yep. of, the, of of the Flume Trail. Dude's a legend, but you know those guys were kind of you know done with running this cafe, and they they you know let some young blood come in here, and I just love seeing you know. Uh, young aspiring entrepreneurs in Tahoe get, get an opportunity to do their thing. Yeah. And they're, they're putting out a great product here. It's a killer, uh, uh, breakfast and lunch. Uh, they are open from eight to three, seven days a week here. And they are basically the headquarters for, for, for shredding the East shore. Yeah. So if you're ever going to do the flume trail or do the TRT, you know, this is the spot where you sort of, you know, can end up. Uh, and I will say that I love, I love doing good rides where you, you end where the beer is cold yep. and good. And, and there's good food and, too. And you know, when, when it's not out and back season anymore, <laughs> it, it turns into loop season. Yeah. I love looping back to, a, to, to the car and having the car be at a, a good spot to, to, you know, have a cold one and celebrate a good day. And these guys have a great thing here. They've got great food. 
they've got an incredible lineup of tap beer. I think they have the you know one of the best tap tap lineups in all of Tahoe. Yep. So I'll give that a shout out and uh, let's get them on the show. Evan Rowe, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having us here at, at your new spot here. Yeah. Thanks I, for coming. Yeah. Thank you. I I love coming here with Nicole. We we've been this has been on our regular program now for breakfast and incline. Yeah. Because Incline didn't have a good breakfast joint for a couple of years. I saw you at night a couple of times too. Yeah, and we came in and yeah, you were doing the night night gig. Now that's yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. You you have stopped doing the dinner service uh, for a bit. Yeah, we were only doing it during winter, kind of boost sales and kind of like get the word out there that we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So did that until last weekend and uh, went pretty well. Feedback was pretty good. Cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you know, you getting this started and what, what drew you to jumping in here at this spot? Because this is such an iconic location. Like we're at the location of, of yeah. you know, the old Ponderosa ranch, you know, big Hoss, big Hoss yeah. was here. The TV show. Yeah. Bonanza. The Bonanza. Uh-huh. So it, you know, what, like this is a pretty iconic spot. So yeah. like what, no, what drew you to come in here and get, get your hands on this place? Uh, definitely got lucky uh, timing. I mean, I've been a chef for a while. My business partner was involved okay. in food for a long time, Chad Burns. And um, my parents, even though they're in their mid-70s, are avid triathletes and bikers and oh, cool. were friends with Max. So when Max and Patty decided to take a step back from the restaurant and just kind of focus on the bike shop, they were looking for somebody to take over. And they were pretty specific. They wanted somebody local, This kind of somebody that would um, kind of keep the integrity Mm-hmm. the restaurant or kind of like their vision which was very much tahoe so yeah. um my parents kind of like hooked us up and we started talking we kind of like took over from there and bought it a year ago two weeks ago so, so it was a bike connection your pet your it your, was a bike it was connection. a bike connection that yeah. got you in here that's cool yeah okay interesting um do you ride a lot me personally yeah my e-bike gets a lot of strain <laughs> Your but, e-bike uh, gets a lot of strength. <laughs> yeah. So you ride. I get to work and back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been known to tumble down hills, but I wouldn't say I'm an avid mountain biker. <laughs> I definitely love skiing and uh, snowboarding and stuff like so that. So you're more but of a snow snow guy than uh, dirt yeah, guy? Yeah, ironically, yeah. I grew yeah. up in Puerto Rico for 18 years, and then wow. came out here, and now I play in the snow. Crazy. Um, what did you do when you were in Puerto Rico? Uh, I was mainly just being a kid. Yeah. I, I moved out of there when I was 18, so... Uh-huh. But I surfed. I taught. My first job was teaching windsurfing. So, rad. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Anyway, I uh, came out here to study music in Reno, and whatnot, and just kind of ended up here. Got a job in cooking because it fed me. I was a starving artist, so it fed me and it gave me some money. <laughs> a starving artist who learned how to cook. That's good. I mean, that yeah, way no, you don't starve. It's necessary. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they should teach that in music school. I think they should totally. Because <laughs> yeah. like, you always hear starving artists who's like, well, if you knew how to cook, you wouldn't be so hungry. You yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Noodles are cheap. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's how I got into it. And I've been, I mean, I don't know, man. I've been, I've been in the industry for... Yeah, how, 20, how, long, how long have you been chefing? 20 years I've been in the industry. I've been in a kitchen for about 18. Okay. I'd say. Um but yeah, it's kind of worked my way up. Martis Camp, Big Water, a bunch of stuff. And then, yeah, ended up here. Cool. Ended up with the opportunity and took it. And Good Chad's awesome. I mean, it's great having a partner, too, because this place, we hit the ground running. Yeah. Yeah, this and place is not, not oh, no. busy. Oh, it was oh this nuts. place is always <laughs> slammed. It yeah, it's always slammed. Well, uh, one of the people that I was kind of going 
going to for recommendations or just, you know, whatever, when I was trying to buy this place, he told me it's a vending machine for those trails. And it is. I mean, this place just slings, hmm. yeah. you know? Yep. So, yeah. It's like know, a it's gas station. Awesome. It's a gas station for mountain bikers because mountain bikers burn calories. Yeah. Just they like a beer. car does. And they need beer and, and they, they need and carbs. They need and they need burritos. Yeah. Food tubes. They need food tubes. Yeah, totally. And they need beer. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you're just, it's like the gas station for human powered outdoor recreation right here. Right here. Tunnel Creek yeah. Cafe. This, you know, a big part of what we want to do with featuring local businesses on this show is, is have these places that are tied into the to bike and, and, and ski world. Yeah, for and sure. You mm-hmm. are in, you know, you are Evan, the epicenter of yeah, East, East no, Shore we, mountain biking. Definitely are. I mean, just Max being up out there, yep. Max being in the hall of fame of mountain biking. So that, yeah, and again, we're referencing Max Jones. Max Jones. Yeah. That started yeah. Flume yeah. Trail Bikes and brought the Flume Trail into existence. And, you know, just think how many countless people's lives that guy has changed with the positive oh, yeah. impact of that trail. Well, what's cool about Max's story is that he's built an entire career around one trail that he resurrected. So, and he inspired me to do a lot of my work. So like with the Toyabe Crest Trail out in central Nevada that I've been working on the last five years, this is this completely underused, unused, neglected, forgotten trail trail, like the Flume Trail was. And he identified it in what, 1983, and like just summer after summer just clipped it out brushed it out, logged it out, and lo and behold, started, you know, bringing friends and then started a shuttle business. And then 10 years ago, I think, right, got the opportunity to open this this location and then start the restaurant. years ago? Was it like, eight? Yeah. He had been running it for seven when yep. we bought it, so yep. eight now. Yeah, so it's just awesome. I mean, he's he and his wife have built this career and lifestyle around this place and that trail. And yeah. it's so iconic. cool. It's, like, it's world class. It's homegrown, too, which home is grown. what's great yeah. about it. it, yeah, like it kind of what trails are about. It totally. has a good Tahoe vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, too, about the prior history of this place and what was going on here even before. Uh, to the Ponderosa Ranch. Yeah, like what was that? Like, yeah. So I don't actually, know a ton about it because I was just a kid back then, but. Um, yeah, Did I mean, they, they I was, used to do I was breakfast there here? for the, they used to do breakfast kind of up behind what the Ponderosa Ranch was the town. Okay. So they would take you out there on a little wagon and they would hold you up, you know, at gunpoint <laughs> and whatnot. And then you'd get up there and you get some flapjacks. Give me your marbles, kid. Yeah, exactly. But Got any this, lunch money? this spot in the parking lot, um, I guess you would buy your tickets here and then the wagon would come around and pick you up here and then take you up the trail behind the Ponderosa. Okay. To the hay wagon. What a good, I mean, this is such a classic roadside. I love a good roadside attraction. Oh, man, we still have people coming in asking for the Ponderosa. I'm sure. Really? Yeah. I had an opportunity to buy a cardboard cutout of Haas. I would. <laughs> like. <laughs> Couldn't you just make one? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd get sued. <laughs> Speaking of, this would be a good, let's do, so you said roadside attractions. What's your, what's your favorite yeah. roadside attraction? Oh, man. I just, all, all time. All time favorite roadside attraction? Yeah. yeah. I mean, my mind goes to Shatt's Bakery on 395. Yeah. Oh, that's a Bam. good one. That's but a good one. But outside of that, like, I was thinking about the biggest ball of yarn or the biggest peanut, <laughs> but, like, I don't really even know where those are. So I got to say, 
every time I take three ninety five, I suffer. Well, that's shats, yeah. that, that's what that's a chef answer right there. Yeah. It, it, so there's a Shats in Carson City, and my lady Swanjong, she works for the state, and her office is right across the street from Shats. Okay. And so she goes to the and the the Carson City Shats is a sleeper because nobody knows it's there. Yeah. So the one in Bishop is like mobbed all the time, but the one in Carson is like. It's just a bunch of old people getting yeah. lunch, you know. <laughs> I think having it's, coffee, it, <laughs> yeah, totally. reading yeah. the newspaper. Yeah, it's and it's she br- so she'll bring home like these giant loaves of like, like lemon poppy seed cinnamon cake bread and uh, like you know these chocolate. It's like these chocolate cubes, and then it's like it's a marshmallow in the inside. And I'm and she's like, "What do you think that is?" I'm like, "It's like chocolate with marshmallows." She goes, "No, it's angel's food cake." I'm like, "Oh God, that's angel food cake!" Like, Chats is the bomb. That's yeah, a good answer. Is. What about you, Kurt? What's What's your favorite roadside attraction? So of time? I, I, I'm gonna go with uh, the mystery spot in Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, nice. Right? Yeah. It's. Have you been there? Yeah, I've been there. That so place I, is I a mind bender, dude. That place is crazy. So there's. If for those who are not familiar with the mystery spot, it's um, I'm familiar with the bumper sticker. The bu- well, everybody's <laughs> familiar with the bumper sticker. You always see it, right? Mystery spot, yeah. Santa Cruz. But allegedly, um, you know, there are a handful of places on Earth where the magnetic, like magnetic forces, there's some kind of concentration of magnetic energy that comes out of the Earth. It's a vortex. And it's a vortex in this very specific small area where gravity is just turned on its head and physics just don't apply. And there's a spot in Santa Cruz called the mystery spot. That's one of those places. Is it on the West side? No, it's like, um, it's like by, uh, uh, do you know where Lake, Lake Lomond is? It's like near SoCal. It's up. Okay. It's, it's like kind of due North of Santa Cruz near it. Like, uh, like off the San Jose Felton. It's near Felton. If okay. you know where Felton is. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. um, yeah, it's it's a trip, man. Yeah. It's like a total like the buildings are all tilted. Like when you're walking uphill, so when you walk up a normal hill, like a steep hill, you know you can see your feet in front of you. But when you walk up that same hill further into the actual like mystery spot where the magnetic forces are all at play, you can't see your feet because you have <laughs> yeah, to lean nuts. so much further <laughs> forward nuts. to fight gravity. It's a trip, dude. It'll blow your mind. So that's my my pick. Ah, nice. cool. Mystery spot. I'm, I'm going to put that one on the on the to do list. I've spent a ton of time in Santa Cruz and totally ridden all the trails. Got to go to this mystery spot. And just it's one of the random stops on the way in. Yeah. You know. So for me, I have a soft spot in my heart for Little America, uh, off Highway 80, just because of oh, an experience nice. I had coming through there back in the day, chasing some crazy band called the Grateful Dead, uh, <laughs> and it involves powder. Go figure. But. Uh, a bunch of us had left Colorado and were rallying out to see the Grateful Dead for Chinese New Year. And somehow or another, we had broken onto a closed Highway 80 with like 50 truckers. Where is this? This is uh, where Highway 25 met from Colorado. Highway 25 meets 80. So in northern... Wait. Uh, so we had come 80's up... He's not in Colorado. Well, uh, no, because we had, we had crossed out of Colorado into Wyoming. Oh. This, was, this all happened in Wyoming. So Little America's in Wyoming. Little America's in Wyoming. Gotcha. Okay. It's, a, it's like wall drug where you like, Little America, oh, yeah. 400 miles. Gotcha. Little America, 300 miles. Little America, 200 miles. <laughs> it's Little like America. the main attraction. It's, yeah, it's... it's Entering it's the, Little it's, America, leaving Little America. It's the biggest gas station in the world. <laughs> nice. They have more gas pumps than anywhere oh, else in the world. Oh, interesting. Okay. So my fond memory, though, is that we somehow... You know, we're gonna. We were getting stuck. 
80 was closed and we were sort of twiddling our thumbs thinking about what we we're going to do and some and some truckers cut the cut the cables on the closed 80 and we're like we're going to send it <laughs> <laughs> and we were like we're with you guys and so the, the our our, the our caravan of hippies jumped on highway 80 Convoy or caravan? Yeah, uh, it was. Well, we were just. <laughs> we got ourselves a yeah. convoy. There was only two. It was two vehicles. Oh, okay. Two vehicles, four hippies apiece, <laughs> and uh, and you know we're just out there chasing this crazy guy named Jerry around, and it 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 somehow or another it brought us a good ways across uh, across eighty that night in an absolutely ripping blizzard, and one of the two cars broke, froze, like the fuel line froze, or I don't know oh what happened, God. but it just was like br- died. And we had passed all the truckers, and I don't think they, they didn't catch us, but somehow or another, some guy came along in this little, like, minivan with this kid, and he was, like, you know, computer salesman, <laughs> had a fire hose, hooked up the broken car, and towed us, continued to tow us down to 80, and we ended up then at Little America with a cop, like, look shaking his head, and it's like, I don't know how you guys made it this far, but you get off the road here. And so we end up exiting at Little America, that night and there's like 400 hippies and 200 truckers all hanging out at little america and it's like two in the morning and we just raged and just had the best time we had a really memorable evening hanging out with like just the, the wildest mix of people wow, and that's then the best experience at little america probably ever yeah, right it was, it was it was super fun and then the next morning 80 opened and all the hippies get got in their cars and we all made our way to the to the oakland coliseum for the show and uh and and lo and behold my friend's car started like the, you know, I think it just was so cold. It was, it was nuking sideways snow. Like you couldn't see, you couldn't see 20 feet. And so we ended up at Little America. So now whenever I'm driving Highway 80, I just, I'm like, I got to stop at Little America and get ice cream. And, and it's, and it is a roadside attraction. Like they, they yeah. definitely play that card. They're like, you know, you can't miss the place. There's a sign for it every 25 miles. We know it. Okay. So you just remind me of something uh, that you and I were both subject to earlier this week on the, on the topic of being stranded somewhere. And on the topic of restaurants, yeah, Steve, who used to own uh, Morgan's Fish Shack in Truckee. Oh no no no, uh, not Steve. It's uh, Sean. It's Sean. Sean. It's Sean. I thought, <laughs> it was, I thought his name's Steve. He is kind of a Steve. No, it's it, it's <laughs> oh, Sean, Sean. Sean. Sean Whitney. Oh Sean. Sorry Sean. I called you Steve. <laughs> I was calling him Steve all week. Sorry, okay, Whitney, too. yes. Okay, Sean Whitney. So that guy. We had a blast riding with him. We had a blast him. riding with him in Pollock Pines. But he told us this story about a couple weeks ago. He was in Inner Lodge in that's, Little Cottonwood yeah. for a week? Was it a week? It was a full week, I think. A full yeah. week of Inner Lodge. What, like, getting snowed in? He was completely. Well, they, they, were completely... they closed. They closed Little Cottonwood Canyon. And okay. then uh, these are such high avi danger. But those... He was saying that three or four of the days they operated Snowbird, and then there's just only the people that happen to be staying at Cliff Lodge and whoever else is around gets to ski the place. Yeah. It happened to be once in Kirkwood. I mean, that's kind of nice. Yeah, yep. I mean, I was you got lodged in Kirkwood? Yeah, yeah that really? happens. We were there, there yeah. for five days. My buddy yep. was a lifty, so really? he had a room. Yeah, he was out there. He was living out there. Whoa! I kind of timed it. Nice. But yeah, they can close they that timed, highway. Yeah, Sean timed it. They they were yeah. like they knew it was going to happen. They timed it, and they just and he was like, yeah, "It's one of those ah oh, shucks." I <sighs> stay here for five days. Shucks. Good old, and they gave him, good and old they, Steve. Yeah. And they gave him <laughs> Steve. Yeah, Steve, man. Good old Steve. That is a Steve move. <laughs> <laughs> he and they got a, they gave him a deal on rooms because there was like nobody right like yeah. they couldn't so they got like discounted lodging. 
Like, remember when we were talking with Duncan about, like, skiing uh, Yellowstone, and there was, like, nobody at the sure. Yellowstone Club? Yes. It was that at was the Yellowstone it. Club at Snowbird. He said there was one, nobody there. He said one good morning when it was, you know, thigh deep, waist deep, that he, they showed up in the morning, and there was 20 people in line for the tram at Snowbird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 20 people. 20 people. Oh, yeah. yeah, wouldn't it, it didn't even fill, didn't even fill the tram. Stories. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's turn it back to food a little bit. Yes. And what, what Evan's got going Absolutely. on here. Uh, so this summer, you guys are just going just gonna to rally breakfast um, and lunch because you have too many, too many gapers to, we're to doing, serve. Yeah, we can't, we can't handle it. Can't we handle have, it. The kitchen's too small to add another 120 add seats. I'll bet. So, uh, so we're going to do music. We're doing music every Saturday night. Cool. Uh, starting a Memorial weekend right. all the way through August. We got a pretty good um, lineup. We got Ben Fuller coming in a couple nights. And, cool. Uh, but we're filling it up. And that should be pretty fun. We're going to do something on Fridays, either a bocce league or something, but stay open later and kind of serve tapas and a little, like, elevated food, kind of like we did for dinner. Okay. Uh, separation for the brunch menu, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah, and then just trying to stay open until 6 every day. And so, make that happen for those mountain bikers that are com- coming in a little bit right. later. And you're, and you're open, and you open when? Uh, so right now we're open 8 to 3, 7 days a week. Nine to three Monday through Thursday, eight to three Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, as soon as we get enough staff, hopefully a couple weeks from now, uh, stay open until six. So do eight to six every day. Yep. And then, yeah, kind of have a happy hour, have some food for everybody and beers and yeah, everybody. Yeah, they got Pliny on draft. By the way, yeah, they've got their do. draft lineup is the bomb. <laughs> I think it's the best dra- yeah. draft lineup in yeah, North we got Lake Tahoe. Rotating beers and they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> and and is there been because um, I know you guys are probably so I shouldn't assume is your is your business somewhat reliant on the mountain bike shuttle traffic or or have you guys gotten to the point where like people are coming in and they're not even riding bikes? Um, it's definitely reliant on the trails yep. for now. I mean, part of the whole dinner adventure was to bring in more draw to like or to create more draw to bring in more people in. Yeah. To know that we serve good food, to know that it's kind of like a standalone place without the trails. Right. And whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely reliant. I mean, you see that right now. As soon as the snow melted off the, the East Shore Trail, yeah, we're slammed. Yep, yep. We have tons of people trying to park in our parking lot. And yep. Hike the trails. It's wonderful. And for the people that know, don't know that the East Shore Trail is epic, it's really one of the nicest bike paths that's ever been constructed uh, any, anywhere in the world. It was considered yeah. at one time impossible. There was a their TRPA, which the Tahoe Regional Planning Authority, which is, you know, kind of the the organization that keeps Tahoe blue, literally and figuratively, said, you know, they were like, I don't know if it's possible to be able to build a, tr- a bike path like along the East Shore of Tahoe. It's so narrow. There's impacts like but NDOT and TRPA they figured and it out. the county, yeah. they figured it out, man. I mean, it took about um, seven agencies to get yeah, going. No, it was so. huge. It was like a. Forty million dollar project, yeah, I think, or something huge. like twenty million, like multiple millions, tens I mean, of millions. Hallelujah! It's a great. Trail. I, it's I, pretty cool. I, mean, I, I love it, and it's yeah. pretty amazing. I have a, a friend, Ben Whitney, yeah. who you might know here, who's one of the 
probably the most charging mountain biker in incline and you know we we ride together quite a bit and when we f- finish our our loop that we normally do we we get back to the option of either riding the road back or jumping on the, on the, on the bike path <laughs> and ben doesn't like going on the on the trail because it's just too many kooks and people yeah and he's just like i'm gonna hammer the road back but i love getting on that trail and seeing the yeah. display of humanity you just have to cruise totally. it man such, it's people watching it's totally some of the best people watching in Tahoe. totally um, Absolutely, we have. This yeah, I'm might sure. Be, I'm sure you said that. This might here, be a Evan. long-winded story, but let's uh, hear it. I love. In I'm, winter, people, I'm going to lead into like the people that you see coming off this trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so some that's, of the that's stories. That's the end of this story. So okay, if I go. lose it halfway through, it remind me where I'm going. Okay. Cool. Um, they don't plow the parking for that trail in winter. They consider it closed. People park in our lot. It's the bane of my existence. <laughs> okay. So one day, uh, this whole family comes out. 87-year-old woman comes out of this car. And he's like, look, I just want to take my mom on the trail. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a five-minute venture. Go ahead. You can park here. It's five minutes. I don't think she's going to make it all the way down. She made it all the way to Sand Harbor. And she's a legend. Oh, my gosh. 87? Yeah. I mean, 87. And goes, was I just still want to take snow? my 87-year-old mother. And she looked frail. I and mean, was it she still snow covered? It was, let me see. It How was long probably was end of March. Yeah, this is yes. probably end of March. Partially so, snow covered. Yeah, definitely in the shady spots. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. And she trekked it, and she goes, "I just want to see the lake." <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's right there. So, <laughs> you'll be back in five minutes. You can get a coffee, warm up. It's all good. Nope. She came back. I think an hour later. She awesome. Back. Wow. Yeah. Which is good. You know, here's the humanity. It's like, amazing. Right on the lake. Mark. What Mark Twain's like. I think one of his quotes is you could walk in a dying man, walk out a 20 year old stud or something. Yeah. 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 It's true. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great, man. I love to hear stories like that. Yeah. I want to be sending when I'm 87. Even I want to see just, the lake when I'm 87. Yeah. I, I want to get free parking when I'm 87. <laughs> <laughs> so you, <laughs> we were in here last summer yeah. and, and Chad was venting about the parking situation yeah. and, and, and he was like, yeah, we need to hire a parking attendant. And my wife's eyes lit up and she was like, so you mean I could maybe work for you guys? And yeah. like, I can just be the, the parking, like, I haven't forgotten that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think she still <laughs> wants that job. She's I mean, like telling tourists no in Tahoe is like my, my wife's dream <laughs> job. My mom's, my mom's like, oh, I'll do it. And yeah. I'll just sit out there and knit. And I'm like, no, mom. Like, you know, you have a bad bone in your body. You couldn't say no to anybody. Uh, if there's a baby or a puppy in the car, like they're good. Oh, that's funny, so. dude. So yeah. what is, okay, so, so what is the wildest thing that you've seen of these people coming off the East Shore Trail? Oh, or man. like the, or I guess maybe the stupidest thing, or like what is the kookiest thing that you've seen? <laughs> God, I don't know, man. I mean, we only have one summer under Cook our of the belt, week. but um, geez, we had we had a party one time that came here, and they they showed up right before we closed, and they were exhausted. They needed food, they needed beer, they needed liquids. Hikers they or needed mountain salt. bikers? Mountain bikers. Mountain bikers. They were they were dead, and they're like, we got a shuttle up there at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Oh my just, god! We just got back. Are you kidding me? There's like ten of them, I think. They're larger. Did they walk the whole way? No. Okay, but here's the kicker. Wow. So they get down and they're like, "Man, I'm dying." So like, okay, whatever. We'll keep on selling. You know, we're closed technically, but like, I'll keep on selling your beers. Like, just me and Chad here or something. And then I found out 
they were like, man, you would think e-bikes make it easier. <laughs> oh, I was like, no. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did they pedal with them off? I don't know. I don't know what they did. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they have throttles, too. So, The ones they had? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Does your e-bike have a throttle? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, oh, but, yeah, man. I don't know. That was, that was a good one. I'm sure you guys have, I mean, in the short time that you've been running this thing, I'm sure you have a, a I've long seen, list of stories. I've already. seen about four single wheelers go out there. Unicyclers. Yeah. Those guys. That's pretty amazing. Have you ever seen, so there's video, there are guys that ride the North shore of, of like BC yeah, I've seen it. on a unicycle. That's insane. Like the ladder stuff, you know, all the big like North shore stuff. Yeah. They're riding it on unicycles. There's videos of guys doing that. It's pretty wild. That's pretty cool that you've had unicyclers. Yeah. I haven't. I'm sure somebody's done it in Downeyville, but I have not yet personally seen a unicycler ride Downeyville. But I'm sure it's been done. I bumped into one on uh, the Donner Lake Rim Trail a few years ago. Did you really? Yeah, the, the sort of gnarly section from you know, <laughs> from, from Castle Peak down to, ne- to ne- or Johnson Canyon now. They're the real single speeders. <laughs> I mean, that takes, that takes a <laughs> lot know, of confidence. There's like single speeders and then there's real single speeders and the real single speeders are the, the one wheelers where yeah. you're literally like, They're just that's like, attached to the wheel. The crank is attached to the wheel directly. <laughs> there's no drivetrain. Yeah, you go backwards too. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, pedal backwards. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't that's seen somebody why, do that. That's why they're angry. Yeah. <laughs> no, they seem super happy. <laughs> That's the funny part. Like, I mean, the guy that I met was just happy to be here after, <laughs> after he made it down the flume. He was pretty pumped oh, he, just to be so alive. So he one-wheeled. The, he went up. Oh, yeah. The whole flume. He went from, yeah, Spooner, Spooner up. All the way. And he ended up here. Oh, wow. Is that a 15-mile ride? How far is it from Spooner to here? Do you know? Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't it's about, tell you. Yeah, it's about I think it's like 15, But it's, right? a little, it's somewhat of a good climb. That climb, uh, no, climb North Canyon is North Canyon's real. Is it, I've ridden that on a single speed it's murder dude it's Jeez. steep it's hard not on a one wheel but on a single speed and it's a beautiful climb in this in the fall it is it's oh, one it's of the better one of the, it's one of the better well, the aspen groves, aspen groves are off, the, just off the hook gorgeous yeah. that's Incredible. one of the most, yeah beautiful rides in the world i love some of those aspen groves up there there was actually if you do the other side it was actually last summer i was doing the other side where i had uh, done a big ride and was coming back red house flume which is on the east side of, of where the Flume Trail is yeah, and, and on the Nevada side. And you come back to where there's a little water station there. And there's actually, and there's a little aspen grove right there where there is a whole bunch of bass carvings mm. in the aspen yep. stand. And it, you know, and it caught my eye and I went and checked it out. And there were some really neat carvings in those trees that go, that date back to the Basque. Uh, right I, I believe that they were up there, you know, uh, herding sheep and, and, you know, we you know bored and drew some really cool. I call them, you know, interesting pictures on yeah. trees. Yeah. And uh, but they, they caught my eye, and, and it was just a cool experience to go find that over there. And it'll be it'll be part of my my tour whenever I, whenever I do that ride to go stop and check out those trees there. Where was it? So it's it's where Red House Flume uh, ends, and you you climb back up Sunflower yep. Trail, which yep. is a newer which is a new trail, and that's up where to Marlette Campground. up to Marlette Campground exactly. Yeah. And so it's at the very bottom there where Red House crosses. You have to actually walk across a little bit of a of a of a of a dam, yeah. and you have to pick your bike up and walk across a little bit of a dam. Then you jump on a, a dirt road for like 200 yards and then get on Sunflower. But it's right there where you cross the dam, 
there's a bunch of aspen stand there's a big aspen stand right there and there's a, nice. it's some bass carving in there that's really neat yeah yeah. Well, I think that we're going to definitely have to have, because we're, we're out of time on this episode, but Evan, I can yeah. already tell this guy, <laughs> I, I don't know your partner, business partner, but I'm sure that like, he's Chats, as entertaining Chats, as you. Chats, 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 Chats. So awesome. I think we're going to have to have a full, just a full episode with you and your business partner, Chad, to talk about the restaurant, Flume Trail Bikes. And of course, we're going to talk about max and have him on we need to have max on and matt's max is an episode in and of his, himself yeah. no, too absolutely. um but and i will say you know I, I reached out to chad about this first and he's he he was off sending he's off on a river trip somewhere. yeah he somewhere. left today yeah he was going to colorado i was like dude don't Utah. you don't you Utah, know that like the rivers are just like absolutely just deluging more water than <laughs> yeah. they ever have right now well what do you say it was like i hope it's good weather and i was like i hope those are your last words yeah so we'll have to have this guys back on the show for sure for sure yeah well evan thanks for joining us here and and thanks for having us in your uh restaurant love this place man the tunnel creek cafe here in incline village um for those of you who haven't been here you better get here it's quite a spot a lot of history and the snow is going to melt out soon and the riding is going to be going on here in the next few weeks so come get it. Uh, put your yeah. mind in the track here. Put it, man. Well, it's a good one. It's one of my favorite. Put your places mind to in ride. the track on the Flume Trail, but put your eyeballs on Lake Tahoe because it's got the most insane, mind-blowing views of anywhere in the world of any trail that I've ever seen. Anyway. Yep. But uh, this is yeah. going to be awesome too. It's going to be yeah. The water clarity, yep. right? Yeah. So thanks again, Evan. Thanks yeah, for having thank us. You guys. And for the chat, and we're going to have you on a future episode, a full episode, not just a little snippet. Nice. Well, you but, know he can help us tech our mics, too. Yes, we found out he's a sound tech, so uh, he went to school for music, so we're going we, we're gonna to recruit him. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening to episode number eight of Mind the Track. And until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track.